Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 17, and this podcast is all about providing clarity and, and life and mission. And so we sit down each episode and have a transparent conversation with someone. And uh, today we get to sit down with Dr. Sam Huddleston. Um, He said huddle like football huddles, Huddleston. And uh, we're looking uh, forward to this. I learned a lot from him. It was a valuable conversation. And uh, we're going to be looking at um, leadership intelligence. He has his doctorate in leadership. He leads at a very high level. And so that's the competency or the capacity we'll be looking at um, today is... um, in, in that area in leadership intelligence. And he weaves in stories from his childhood, what God has brought him through, um, where he, how he's leading now and, and how the Holy Spirit guides and directs him, speaks into his life. And uh, man, I learned a lot from his wisdom and was just so thankful that he was uh, willing to sit down and have a conversation um, like the one we had together on the Clarity Podcast. So we do want to thank him for giving of his time. Um, he has a lot going on, and uh, but it was great that we worked it out and um, that he was able to to invest in us and I appreciate Dr. Huddleston for his um his time and his wisdom and his willingness to invest uh, into our listeners today. Do want to just mention one thing before we jump into the podcast, the back channel um, with both the back channel with both Dick and I recorded some of those, those answered some of your questions you had send in and we're going to continue to do that. So if you have more questions, um, please um, send those to me. My email will be included in the uh, show notes and um, you can just send questions to me along the, the Africa health house competencies, capacities um, is, is personal health, family health, um, caring for caring for others, building teams, missiological maturity, um, self leadership, leadership intelligence, and leadership skills. So, if you have any um, questions along those lines, like I said, if you want to ask me why West Virginia is the greatest state in the in the union and why we're almost heaven, we could go into that. But uh, you know, I just don't know where that would go. But anyway, um, and it might take longer than than the time we have allotted because it's a it's a great place. But anyway, um, just uh, looking forward to hearing your questions. And I think it'll be valuable as we try to make the podcast a little more interactive with the audience. And I think that will help help as we go forward. Just want to also want to thank our sponsor for this week's episode, Appalachian Spring Dermatology, bringing new life to your skin. Learn more about the medical, cosmetic, and skin cancer screenings and treatments at Appalachian Spring Dermatology. And sign up for Dr. Rosenberger's blog at wvderm.com, wvderm.com. Well, there's no time better than now to get started, so here we go. Well, so excited to be here today on the Clarity Podcast with Dr. Huddleston and um, made a contact with him via our friend Scott. And um, he's when we were talking about leadership intelligence, and uh, that's the growth area we're going to focus on today, he said, I know a man you need to talk to. Um, he's insightful, he has wisdom, and he'd be valuable um, for the podcast and for our listeners. So Dr. Huddleston, would you just share a little bit um, with our audience, maybe people that do not know you, a little bit about yourself um, before we jump into some questions? Well, uh, if I go by title, my title is um, Assistant District Superintendent of Northern California, Nevada. Oh, I helped oversee with Superintendent Allen and Dr. J.R. Churches. Um, but my call to fame is I've been married 43 years to Linda. We have three married children. And I have 13 grandchildren, which means I am always broke. So if you missionaries <laughs> have some leftover shekels, you can send them. 
them up. And, and, and I have become an expert, an expert at cash app. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for that. Were you born and raised in California? Is that where you grew up and that's where you lived most of your life? Yes, I was born and raised here and just a little bit of my life. Uh, parents divorced when I was quite young and I just became angry. I don't blame my mom and dad. I don't blame God. I don't blame anybody, but I became a very angry young man at about 17 years of age. Uh, I was involved with two other guys. Crime was committed. I went to prison. Uh, the, the crazy part is I was raised in church. Mm. I knew about, I knew about Jesus. I just didn't know Jesus baptized mm. when I was eight. Best thing the preacher could have done was said, son, I have prophetic vision. I've seen your future. I'm going to save you from it. As we take you under in this water, we're going to leave you under. Tell Jesus hello. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but while I was incarcerated, uh, I had an incredible, I didn't have a jailhouse conversion. I had a conversion, Aaron, where Jesus, everything my father taught me, it all kind of came back. Hmm. Sunday school lessons and everything. And I remember sitting, telling Jesus, I didn't believe you existed. I, my life had really uh, deteriorated. And I said, I don't believe you exist. But if you do, uh, my dad's never lied to me. And he said, you do. So if you do, I'm a candidate for whatever you have to offer. Because uh, where I'm at right now is really not a good career move. So mm. if you can help a brother out, mm. uh, I'm in a position where I could use your help. And that night on the prison yard, I truly had an encounter. With, with Jesus Christ. In fact, I went and told one of my buddies who was playing dominoes, we grew up together, but uh, what I just happened. And he looked at me and he says, you know, you've been locked up too long. Hmm. So I think you didn't flip out. And I looked at him and said, actually, I think I flipped in. Wow. And, uh, Jesus changed my life, got out, went to Bethany Bible College, uh, went to Azusa, uh, graduated in uh, Regent University in Virginia Beach, Virginia and earned a doctorate degree in, in leadership and renewal. That's amazing. This is, this is a little bit, before we jump into leadership questions, maybe there's a listener and maybe one of their children is going through a difficult time. What, what wisdom or insight or counsel would you have for a parent that's saying, you know, I you said you were raised in the church and, um, and maybe they've raised their children in the church and uh, maybe they've, they've, they've talked to them about Jesus, but their, their, their children have made some decisions that, and they're just in a state of um, concern and, uh, and uh, discouraged. Would you have any wisdom or insight being that you were a, a man in that situation? And um, what would you have for, for parents, any advice for parents before we jump into leadership questions? Uh, anytime I, I, uh, my dad's been gone. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, Daddy's been gone almost 10 years. Mm. Uh, I miss my dad uh, every day. But what my dad would tell me, uh, I remember one time, Aaron, uh, years later, I asked my dad, he would come visit me in, in prison. I mean, I, I was pretty crazy. You know, I didn't go to prison for missing Sunday school. Mm. So I was pretty crazy. I was trying to survive. I was very young. And one day after I'd been out, him and I were together somewhere. And I asked him, I said, why is it when you came to visit me, you used to always say, now, son, I'm just telling you right now, God's mm. going to use your life. Mm. Son, God's going to take you places. God's going to do this. God's going to do this. And he would, he, he didn't preach. 
And then, then I finally started telling him, look, dad, I really don't want to hear about God. But he kept visiting me, but he didn't talk about God. Hmm. But he never stopped praying. Hmm. One day I asked him, I said, um, are you okay? He said, what do you mean? I said, and is this, this is in the prison, visiting room. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you're not, you haven't been talking about God lately. And he said, well, you told me you didn't want to hear about God. Uh, I'm fine. I said, okay, let's just leave it right there. I don't want to talk about God. He says, but I just want you to know one thing. I haven't quit praying for you. Hmm. So one day, years go by, I'm out of prison, involved in ministry, and him and I were together. I said, how come you used to come up and say those things to me? Why did you believe as, as like you did? And my father said, son, you know that garden I used to plant every year? I said, yeah. And he said, uh, in fact, he told me this when I was incarcerated. And uh, he said, I go out in the back, I till the soil, plant the seed, and then I just water it. Because I've never once gone out there and dug up the seed and said, let me see if it's growing. Hmm. He goes, and then what happens in season? He said, I got my crop. And then he looked yeah. me, Aaron, he looked me in the eyes. <clears throat> and he said, son, I planted more seed in you than I put in any ground, and you will produce. Hmm, that's good. And I just kind of looked at him, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool, you know, went back yeah. inside the prison. Then fast forward the tape years later, I asked him, why did you say those things? And he looked at me, kind of chuckled. He says, you really don't know? I says, no. He said, boy, <laughs> at the rate you were going, I had nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speak life over your child yeah that's good because there's always hope because my dad i never could come back and say well you didn't believe i could change you doesn't matter what he may have thought he never verbalized it hmm. he just always spoke and he wasn't pentecostal yeah but he loved jesus yeah that's but he spoke good. life and so many parents and he didn't get he told me one time i said dad why did you uh Another, we, we, we got to be really, really, really close once I met Jesus. Mm -hmm. I said, I just had all these questions for him. He said, son, when you got in trouble, I asked myself some questions. I said, what does Sammy need? He said, well, I knew they weren't going to let me be the judge, the attorney, or even the prosecutor. He said, so I said, what does Sammy need? And I concluded you needed a good father. And mm -hmm. I said, I could be that. Yeah. And so when good. a kid is going through hell, they just mm -hmm. need a good parent. Somebody who will believe them. I mean, my daddy would see me high as a kite. I didn't know whether I was walking or crawling. Hmm. And, and Aaron, he always said these words. You know, son, you don't look right. <laughs> <laughs> and I would want to say sometimes, look right. Man, I see three of you right now. What do you mean, look right? Yeah. But he never said, not one time did he say, are you high again? Yeah. Are you... Because if he had said it one time, that's the one thing I would have remembered. I can't. He never said it. He just always said, you don't look right. Yeah. And he believed in me, my brothers, my sisters. In fact, when my one of my baby sisters, my baby sister, rather, uh, and I know this is not what we're going to talk about, but I know that some of our missionaries uh, are dealing with things. I do know that. But my baby sister got pregnant out of wedlock. She was a senior in high school. My dad was out working in his garden and he, she told him, and my dad said these words. He said, son, when she told me that we were looking at each other and I said to myself, the next words out of my mouth 
will determine our relationship for the rest of our lives. Mm. And he looks at my baby sister and he says, uh, I don't know, I don't know what you've been thinking about. I hope you haven't been thinking about an abortion. He said, but I tell you what, let's do this. He always invited himself. Let's us. It was all he was, he was, it was us. It never was, I can't believe you did this to me. He said, why don't you go ahead and have the boy? And he says, uh, after the boy is born, if you don't want to raise him, I'll raise him for you. Hmm. That was my dad. Yeah. Fast forward the tape again. She did have a boy. He grew up. He's involved in ministry today. And at my dad's funeral, I made this comment. I said, you know, most Sundays, my dad and I talk on the phone. He prays for me. I said, he's gone now. And that's the end of that. And my... Uh, a few weeks later, I was on my way to an assignment on a Sunday morning, and, and my, my one of my nephews called me. And I said, what's up, boy? And he goes, hey, Uncle Sam. He said, what are you doing? He says, I said, well, I'm on my way to preach. He goes, I said, what are you calling me? He says, well, why are you calling me? He goes, well, uh, uh, you said at Papa, Grandpa's funeral that nobody's going to pray for you. So I, I decided I'd call him and pray for you. Hmm. And this is the boy that my sister gave birth to. Wow. And often I, often I would think. What if daddy had yelled at my sister? What if he had just, what if she'd had an abortion? Now daddy's gone yeah. and he has literally almost nine years. I have recordings on my phone of my nephew calling me. He said, hey, what's up, Unc? Just call a prayer for you. You still, you still telling that story, you know? Yeah, that's and, amazing. But it was my dad, it's, it, he lives on. Yeah. I would encourage parents, believe in your children because if there's no hope for them, there's no hope for you. Yeah, that's good. My dad that's was good. every graduation I ever had. He just would sit out there and smile. Yeah. He was a good. man of faith, man of hope. Yeah. That's a good word. How has, yeah. as we, we lead into the questions of leadership intelligence, how have is your life experiences, if you just shared, how has that, how does that affect or how does that help when you lead other people? How does your life story and your life's experience play into that? Um, do you find yourself believing in people because your dad believed in you? Um, does, has it, is your, your past experience affected your leadership style? I guess is what I'm asking. Our past experience affects all of our leadership style. My daughter, you know, and, uh, Aaron, I'm not really the greatest preacher, mm -hmm. but from my dad, I've learned to tell some good stories. So that's in good. our conversation, I'll be, I'll tell you a bunch of stories. Okay? That's, that's awesome. My daughter said one time to me, she said, dad, and I wasn't a pastor at the time. She said, you're going to be a great pastor. I said, why do you say that, baby? She says, because you believe in everybody. Hmm. You just you just think everybody can make it. I said, well, that was my dad. Yeah. And my brother one time, one, one of our family members had done something and uh, to me, and I just kept loving him. And my older brother says, man, I need to do something to you so you can love me like that. <laughs> and he says, what makes you like that? I said, didn't daddy do that to us? Yeah. So yes, my father's love and belief in Jesus. Uh, you know, he raised, my daddy kept all six of us kids when him and mom were divorced. My mm. daddy had a faith I still don't have. Mm. My dad and my stepfather were, were good friends after years went by. And one day, my mom and dad, my stepfather, whom we always referred to as dad, uh, they were celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary. And my dad, my dad, my daddy, my biological dad was a, was a was gardener. And I go by, I go down because now I'm a pastor and I'm going to help them renew their vows. And my dad, my daddy's in the backyard whistling, singing, and trimming the trees and cutting the grass. 
And I went back to us and said, Dad, Daddy, what are you doing? He says, and my dad could say something would make you feel crazy. You know, yeah. He had a way of saying things. I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm cutting the grass and trimming the bushes. You haven't noticed that? I said, no. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. He said, well, son, let me just say two things. I'm happy for John. That was my stepfather's name. He goes, yeah. and I must always be an example for you and your brothers and sisters because you never know what life's going to bring to you. Hmm. And I just looked at him and go, I said, you're just, you're, you're kind of different. Yeah. He was different because he really had a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. He really, my dad really, uh, I often tell my friends, if you get to heaven and my daddy's not there, you didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my daddy. And so, yes, I am everything. I, I don't think anyone can say they've ever heard me preach a half a dozen sermons. Well, I haven't talked about my daddy. Yeah, that's 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 profound. And uh, when you you talk about your we we talked about your leadership and we've talked about your story. How does the Holy Spirit, you know, guide you um, when, when you're leading people, you're casting a vision and uh, you're leading people have have there's lessons you've learned over the years on on how the Holy Spirit speaks to you and guides you as you're leading people. Yeah, one of them is uh, my dad taught me. <laughs> he taught me a lesson. Said, "Son, when you talk to people, listen real good, and make your words soft and tender." And mm. I said, "Why is that?" He says, "You might have to eat them." Mm. And then he said, "Remember?" He says, "Remember all those fish we used to catch?" I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "We'd go out and we'd catch those fish. Maybe it was a catfish. Maybe it was a crappie. Man, he would name bass." He goes, and we'd bring them home, and your grandmother, we'd clean them, and then she would season them. I said, yeah. yes. He said, I want you to remember one thing. As you meet with people in life, I want you to remember one thing. I want you to remember how, how, many, how many of those fish would have never ended up in the hot grease if they just kept their mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, that's he a says, good word. As you lead people, son, as you lead people, you just keep that in mind. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, when I'm talking to people, there are times that I'll go and literally I can almost hear sizzling hot grease in my ear. Mm. And so I try to listen. I try to make my words soft and tender in case I might have to eat them. Yeah. And another thing, my, my father, he told me, and it's not about me. Yeah. It's too many leaders think it's about them. Most people, uh, that are around me as leaders. This is what they know. This they don't work for me. It is my job as a leader to do whatever I can to help a young leader become a great leader. Yeah. So when I, when I, for instance, uh, was the assistant, became assistant superintendent 16 years ago now. My assistant, her name was Shar, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the first things I asked her is, "What do you see? What do you want to do in the future?" And she told me, I said, okay, well, then this is what you need to do. This is how I know. In fact, I asked her, you want to be my secretary or my admi administrative assistant? She said, what's the difference? I said, a secretary, I'm just going to give you stuff. And you're just going to do it. Yeah. No question. She's going to do it. But my admin, I'm going to teach you what I know. Yeah. She looks at me. I want to be admin. Yeah. I call her in the meeting. See, so many leaders, I know who I am. I know. Listen. 
if I don't know anything, as my grandmama would say, boy, you better know who you is, because when you ain't who you is, you is who you ain't. <laughs> who I is. Yeah. That's meetings. Good. And I would I sometimes I'd be in meetings with men. Now they've learned some things about me over 16 years. And and I'd be in there with these men and I'd say, Sure, why don't you come in? So Shaw would come in. I said, No, sure, this is what we're talking about. Especially ethnic, my ethnic guys, they didn't, they didn't get it at first. It's like, what is she doing in this room? You know, she should mm. be bringing us coffee or tea or, or something. Right. I said, this is what we're talking about. What do you think about this? And I can still remember the first time I asked her, she just was shocked. And she said, well, well no, Sam, I, I, I think such and such. And I hadn't been in just a few months. I said, you know what? I agree with you. I like what you just said. I said, fellas, this is what we're going to do. Wow. We're going to do what she says. And from this point on, if you have questions about certain issues, why don't you go through her first? Because she's been here longer than I have. And she knows a little bit more than I do. Yeah. And I just started in her. Yeah. Doing this inside of her. Sometimes when she would come, we'd have meetings. I did it the other day with my new assistant. I said it, I said at my desk and I said, okay, let's, 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 let's have this meeting. And I'm at my desk with my computer, with my screen and I'm taking notes. Yeah. Oh, I like it. What about this? What about this? And, and I used to tell Shar when I would do that, whatever I says, she would look at me. She would be sitting over here. I'm sitting behind my desk, taking notes from, from our meeting. And I said, I'm preparing you for your future. Yeah. It's good. I'm I said, when you leave me, you're going to be running something. Yeah. Years go by and our office needs someone, need a director to run a major department. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I know who can do this. And I'm going to be mad when I tell you their name and I tell them her name. And she is now the direct, she has a major job. She has her own admin and it's one of the happiest seasons. Even this morning, I could read you a text. I text her. I said, I'm, I'm proud of you. Yeah. My wife, we are so proud of, but everything she has read more books on certain topics than even I have, because everything I gave her to read, she would read. She was hungry. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Sam, Dr. Huddleston, when you're looking and um, that belief in people um, and you're, you're, the other thing that was interesting you said is, is believing in um, women and women in leadership. And that's a, that's a, a, you've brought her along in that purpose. What advice or counsel would you have when people are believing to believe in a younger generation and females in leadership? What advice or counsel would you give um, for our listeners? Well, I'd say to men that have a problem, especially dealing with women, get over your mama issues. <laughs> and I sincerely, when my mom and dad divorced, daddy's left with the kids. You better believe I had mama and women issues. Hmm. And so it's a longer story, but I had to deal with my issues with my mother. Let me tell you how I dealt with my issues with my mother. When mama left, daddy made me and my three brothers, we all slept in the same room, um, pray for our mother every night. Here's the power of prayer. Aaron. Mm -hmm. And daddy would come in sometime and wake us up. And it was where we lived at in, in California. It was very cold in the wintertime. He'd make us get up and care how cold it was and pray for our, our mother. Sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night, he'd be kneeling at the foot of our bed, praying for me and my brothers. Mm. And years later, I'm going to a counselor because I'm about to lose my marriage. Cause I, I, I got mommy issues, which result in wife issues. And my wife didn't have a clue what's going on. Plus I got a whole lot of other issues from being in prison. So I go see a counselor after my wife left me. I'm in the ministry and, and, uh, and the counselor after a while says, you, you, you need to deal with your mom. I said, what about my mom? You need to go, and I don't need to meet with her. And he says, well, okay, that's fine. That's fine. 
Anyway, I eventually went down, told my mom, I'm coming to see you. She lived, she still lives about two hours from me. And I drove down. And when I knocked on the door, I had two hour ride. I had a lot of questions. When I knocked on the door, I said, uh, she just came to the screen door. She knew something was wrong and she had been blessed out by every one of her children. Okay. We all mm. had, a, had an opportunity to get a piece of her behind. We just, mm. maybe I shouldn't have said that, but anyway, we all had an opportunity to tell her how we really felt about her leaving us. Yeah. And I looked at my mother and I said, mama, she said, yeah. I said, mama, she said, yeah. I said, I, uh, I need to ask you to forgive me. And I started crying. Hmm. She said, what do you mean? I said, I should have been a better son. I made your grandmother way too young. And I just went down this list. And now I'm, I'm, I'm crying, Aaron, but I'm going, why am I crying? Why am I asking forgiveness? She should be doing this. This is all in my head. Yeah. And what I realized was you cannot grow, really hate a person who you've prayed for all your life. Hmm. And my father had us praying for mama because he knew one day every one of us was going to have a come to Jesus meeting with mama. Yeah. And his prayers prepared me for that day. And yeah. literally, literally, Spirit of the Lord had told me earlier that until you, whatever you're going to do in ministry, it has to, it has to first happen in your home. And too many guys are duplicit. Hmm. What they are at home and what they are in the pulpit or out in ministry, it ain't the same. I've seen, listen, I've seen too many women in ministry who are miserable hmm. because the husband is king. Hmm. He is, he is, you know, let me give an example. We had a missionary. This is years ago, years ago. And uh, he came to my church and he spoke. And I used to tell the people, I taught them this, this principle. If a man or a woman is up preaching and their spouse is a look at the spouse. If they're not listening, don't you listen. <laughs> we had two services. I mean, the first service, this guy, man, was like on a jet. He took us up to heaven, gave yeah. us a tour of heaven. I mean, it was. Yeah. Next service, he got up. He never got the plane off the landing strip, off the, and I'm looking at him going, what, what is the difference? Yeah. And I look across the room. His wife, who wasn't in the first service, is cleaning her fingernails. Hmm. I went, oh, oh, we got problems here. Yeah. And afterwards, we went to a person's house for dinner, and, and, and they didn't even have social etiquette. They just went at it. Yeah. And he was the king. She should be a certain way. He didn't respect her. Hmm. I would tell any man, any man, any, and I'm going to tell you something. This young lady, Reverend Blair, she's a three-generation Pentecostal preacher. She kept a picture of her grandfather on her desk, still does in her office. I used to come in and look at her and says, uh, you don't know this, but your grandfather, he, he, he convicts me. Hmm. He says, what do you mean? I said, I want to live the kind of life so when my granddaughters get your age, they won't be ashamed to put my picture in their office. Wow. That's and a good so, word. Yeah. That's a good word. And plus, I have eight, I have eight granddaughters and five grandsons. Yeah. And I, and I love them. No, that's um, – where did you get the courage, um, Dr. Huddleston, to, to, to have that conversation with your mom? Because that took a lot of courage. And obviously, in, in leadership, to have conversations like that, sometimes we're lacking in the courage. Where did you find that courage? You know, I blame my mom for everything. And then I got married. Hmm. And I realized some of my ways I didn't get from my mother. And I realized, I started thinking, maybe possibility, long shot, 
Yeah. Maybe my dad wasn't the angel that I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> maybe my mama didn't just, maybe my mama was helped to leave. Maybe my daddy had some, maybe my daddy was like me. Yeah. And when I woke up and my wife was gone with our kids, that was the courage I needed because yeah. I did not, I didn't want my kids, I didn't want what my dad had. I didn't yeah. want that. And yeah. so, and then when the counselor, meeting the counselor and, you know, it was, it was wanting, I didn't want to wake up uh, one morning and my wife would have a mirror underneath my nose going, shucks, he's still breathing. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. honey, you think I want to get a couple more million dollars of insurance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't. So it was, it was wanting a good home. Yeah. My son went to sleep one night and he was crying. I said, what's wrong? He was probably about six, seven. I said, what's wrong? He goes, I don't know if I'm afraid to go to sleep. Why? He goes, I don't, I'm not sure you're going to be here hmm. when I wake up. And my daddy used to say, if a man won't change for his kids, he's no good. Wow. And when my son, that night I looked at my boy, I said, son, don't worry. It's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to, yeah. And I will yeah. be here when, when you yeah. So I changed for my wife. I changed for my kids. Yeah. That's good. That's a good word. Dr. Huddleston, in this season of life, you've talked about being a grand grandparent. You've talked about um, your, your season of leadership. What are you most excited about? What are you learning? I most excited about, and are there areas that you're still learning in? I'm excited about being alive. Hmm. I walked in the district office the, the other day, and we got we have all this coronavirus stuff going on. I mean, we have people no more meeting in church buildings. Uh, having to meet in homes and what have you. And I looked around, I looked at the people and I said, I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's faith. I don't know if the fact that I've been in prison, but I'm so excited today that I don't know what to do. I was yeah. created for this moment. And if I was to say one thing that I'd want to leave with all your missionaries or whoever's listening to this, you were made for this moment. Hmm. Why is it that my grandfather's deceased, my father's deceased and many other relatives who love Jesus are deceased and I'm alive. Could it be that God said, Sam, I need you alive during this hour, during this moment, because what I'm going to put in you, they're going to need. Every missionary needs to know what's in you. God put that in you. God has prepared you for this moment. And yeah. the most exciting thing that I get to do is sit with young people. I have other Zoom calls today. I young people come by my office. I just spoke to a group of them. I just, I am so glad about my age. And you know, I'm, I'm very healthy. Yeah. Uh, I'll, sometimes I just sit on a I said, just have me a, a bottle of water and a stool. And I said, <laughs> I'm going to talk to you like you're my grandchildren. Yeah. And last year I went and spoke to these young people. I came again. I said, now I'm going to talk to you as a grandfather. I said, because last year I came, I was a grandfather. And lo and behold, this year I still is one, yeah. you know, and I just, I'm excited about watching young people develop into leaders and helping them. Now, yeah. some of them, they say they want him, but they don't really, they don't, you got to have to take them back over here. Yeah. Because if you don't, if you don't deal with the, the bad relationships over here, it just, it just capitulates and carry over into a bad pastor. Yeah. Bad marriage, bad yeah. parenting and all that. So we got to say, okay, look, look, let me, can I help you deal with some of the stuff that you have? Yeah. And I can tell, I don't have time. My my kids will tell you, my daddy won't, if you don't want to listen, I don't think I'm God. Okay. Yeah. But I do think I'm wiser than a teenager yeah, or a person in their 20s. I think I've got a little more life experience. So I'm going to share some thoughts with you and you can disagree. We can talk about them and whatnot. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I want to help you to get someplace. I've seen this. I've seen this. I've seen this. 
and let's talk about how I can help you get to a certain place. If I can't, then you probably ought to find someone else. I can, and I base that on this. I have a pastor, Aaron. Yeah. Most guys, most ladies, who's your pastor? And they'll tell you who they're working for. Hmm. I never worked for this guy. He's been the only pastor I've ever had. We just buried his wife in January of 62 years. Hmm. My pastor has checked on me almost every day. I mean, once a week for the last 40 something years. Wow. He will call me and say, how are you doing? And I'll tell him. And he'll say, let me talk to Linda. I said, what? Linda, she's here. I said, what do you want to talk to her for? I want to ask her, how are you doing? <laughs> like, told and then my yeah. pastor says, no, actually, you told me your version. Now I want yeah. to hear hers. Yeah, that's good. A lot of people, I'm going to tell you, I can't tell you half a dozen pastors, men who have somebody like that in their lives. And yeah. my wife knows she can, and my wife has. Those that worked around me and my staff, every year I'd bring my pastor down at least one time a year. We'd have a dinner. I'd give him an incredible offering, put him in a nice hotel. He'd bring down his wife. And, and I would tell the people, I'd give him all his business cards. And I said, if I'm ever doing anything that's crazy, call him. Hmm. Call my hmm. assistant. Sure. I said, if I ever get crazy, you call my pastor, you call my wife, then you call the superintendent. After that, I don't care who you call. I said, but here's the deal. You'll never have to do that. Yeah. And so I'm excited about helping young leaders be great leaders. That's you great. can't be a great leader unless you've dealt with the stuff and everybody's got stuff yeah. and you got to, I have to keep dealing with my stuff. My pastor, we were on the phone just this week and he was, how you doing boy? And sometimes I'll say, Aaron, pastor, can I have a name? Oh boy, shut up. <laughs> and I jokingly tell people that here's some words I've, I've used one time on my pastor, these words. Pastor, you know, I, the Lord told me such and such. What do you think? And I yeah. jokingly tell people, my pastor's response was something like this. Boy, when God gets ready to talk to you, I'll let you know. Hmm. <laughs> he said, you don't know him that well, and you never will. Wow. And he didn't say those words, but that's how I interpreted what he said. Yeah. And, then he, and then he looked at me and says, you don't want to know what I think. I said, why? why? I do. He said, no, you know. I said, yes, I do. He says, if you wanted to know what I think, then why did you tell me what God told you first? Wow. Or what wow. you think God told you. Yeah. So I, I don't use those words. Yeah, I will call. I don't know if it's what I ate or, but this is what I'm thinking. Can you help me process yeah. this and what have you? And I try to help young people, to, because so many young people they want to impress you with the fact God said God said. So you know what? Sometimes the name God said. Yeah. My 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 tra trajectory of ministry has not been up down up down up down up down. It's been it's been pretty smooth, but I've not made any major decisions without prayerfully talking to the elders in my life my dad when he was alive my pastor who is still alive my uncle who is now deceased and now i have some other men that i i have some i you see i can't afford to make major mistakes i couldn't afford when i was younger i definitely can't afford it now so my greatest gift is when i see a young person who's hungry yeah really hungry not trying to impress the world not trying to impress uh, even god or people around them but who's willing to first understand who they is. Yeah. Who they That's is, good. who wants to understand their, their calling. And, yeah. and who understand my pastor says, boy, I'm gonna tell you something. Take your calling serious, but don't take yourself serious. You're really yeah. not that important. Yeah. And yeah. he would tell me, son, listen to me. Listen to me really well. I, <laughs> he would say, son, I'm not impressed with me. So I'm sure enough, I'm sure enough not gonna be impressed with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's a good word. 
Pastor, uh, Doctor, would you pray for our audience today that God would use this podcast, the wisdom that you've shared, to just to help us as we lead other people, as we're following other people, that God will use it to guide and direct us, that we will be people that believe in people as you, you do, and as your father believed in you, and the lessons we've learned from you, that won't just be something we heard, but something we'll put into action. Would you pray for us today? I'm going to leave you with one quick story, and you can edit, do whatever you want to do with it. Yeah. I was, run over by, I was run over by a car when I was four years old. I got drugged about 15 feet underneath this car. They took me to the hospital. Daddy came home from work. They told him what had happened. Came to the hospital. They had me in the hospital room, and Daddy says I was screaming and I was yelling. Four years old, so I don't remember this. And he said he stood at the door of the hospital room, and he got his composure together because he was crying and asking God, why, 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 why? And my father said... He's telling God, I pick kids up for Sunday school. I do this, I do this, I do this. Why me? And God said back to him, this was my dad telling me this. Why not you? You're the one that he started, God started telling him all the things. He, you're the one that's been telling people how much you love me. Why not you? Hmm. So by this time, now daddy's got his composure. And I'm still yelling and screaming. And daddy stood at the door and he said, Sammy. And my father could say my name like no one else could. And he said, when I said his name, when he said my name, he could see me in the bed looking around, but I was still screaming. And he started walking toward my door, my bed, and he on after every two or three steps, he said, Sammy, Sammy. And he said, the more he said my name, the less I quit yelling and screaming until finally daddy was standing over my bed, looking down, and he said, Aaron, Sammy, daddy's, daddy's here, it's gonna be okay. And my father said, I looked up at him and smiled and went to sleep. Hmm. In the day and age in which we live, we just need to get people close to the father. That's a good word. Through worship, through directing them to the word, through praying. If we can get them to the father, he can deal with all the issues yeah. and give them the peace that they need and help them to sleep good at night. Yeah, that's a good word. Father, I thank you for Aaron, the call you have on his life. Thank you for this podcast. I don't know who will listen to it. I pray for that mother and father who are concerned about their wayward child. They've raised them right. Daddy said he didn't worry about me because he had done everything he knew he could with the limited resources that he had. Would you give these parents peace? Would you let them know right, wrong, and indifferent? They weren't perfect. Neither was Adam and Eve's parent but they've done what they could with the knowledge that they have, and now they must trust you. Help them to speak life over their child. If they can't do it up close, help them to do it from a distance. I pray for those, Lord God, who are physically challenged. I pray for those, Lord God, who may be having challenges uh, financially. I pray for them today. I pray that the spirit of the living God, that the Holy Ghost would so engulf them as they get <clears throat> close to you, that as they get into the presence of the Holy One of Israel, they will find all that they are looking for and all of their needs would be met in Jesus' name. Bless this young man, his wife, and their two children. This I pray in Jesus' name.